Hello and welcome to Season of the Bit, the leftist feminist podcast that's excited for spooky season. Today we have Zoe, Jules, and Laura. And it's spooky season. Welcome. Hell yeah. (laughs) The best time of the year. And we're celebrating in the best way by talking about men getting murdered. Only in media, of course. Of course. For legal reasons. (laughs) Um, And more generally about queer and trans narratives in horror. And today we're joined by film and man-murdering aficionado Nadine. Welcome. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. Also, happy birthday. Oh my God. Wait, today is your birthday? Well, yesterday, it, yesterday was, as of recording oh. this, a few days ago, as of when the listeners are are wow. hearing this, well, but it's still to Libra icon. Yeah, I've got a double dose of Libra and and Sun and Moon, so I'm uh, nice. Very, you know, I guess unbalanced because I have too much balance. Well, but I feel like everybody has a birth, like so many people have birthdays this season. It's very weird. There's just a lot of Libras out there, I guess. True. So. True. Well, yeah. we're so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. It's been yeah. a been a dream. What? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That's so precious. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Do you want to introduce yourself a little for yeah. the listeners? I guess basically, um, Zoe, as you said, you know, I am uh I guess a little bit of an expert in film. Uh, a little bit. A little bit, I guess. It's, <laughs> it's uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer and cultural critic, and I do write about movies a lot. I write about other things as well. Um, yes. Pretty much, the line I always give people is pretty much whatever people will pay me to write about. Um, but generally, you know, like kind of my interest my background like why i really got into criticism was like to be a film critic and obviously the economy of that and freelance writing is very hard so you have to be a jack of all trades so i write about music and the internet and culture and just all of those good things and i also write a lot about gender and transness um, because i'm a trans woman and uh i think i don't know i started transitioning at the beginning of this year. And so a lot of my work has not quite like explicitly dealt with a lot of these themes yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of stuff that I've been writing recently has been about that because it's, you know, been the first time that I've really been able to like really write for queer focused publications and sort of be in that beat in like an honest, genuine kind of way. Um, And I also think it's just like, thinking on my sort of interests and the kind of movies I like, well, this will factor into this conversation. I think it's definitely something that's like always been shaping uh, my sort of, I mean, my identity, of course, just generally, but just like my interests and the kind of media that I'm drawn to, even when I wasn't fully accepting of myself or out or writing about it openly. I think especially stuff we'll talk about today with, with horror movies, um and and just really i don't know i mean i guess just horror but just really so many kinds of movies that are really about like the body and about like physical existence and what it means to like 
you know, who, like how, who you are relates to, I guess, what your body is or what your physical form is. You know, I think that's such a question of horror. It's such a question of queerness and gender and just, you know, so much of like our experience as, as queer people, as women, just generally as marginalized people in the world are defined like by bodiness. And so I feel like, I don't know, that's a little bit of a, you know, getting it started a little bit of a spiel, but yeah. I think that's been a lot of like what I've been interested about in movies. And so I've written a lot over the years about horror movies and action movies and like writing about masculinity in, in film too, because that was a way to sort of like unconsciously work through some of that stuff uh, without being explicit about it. So totally. Yeah. Okay. I'm totally a stage mom whenever one of my friends is on the podcast, but do you also want to plug your podcast? I do do a podcast also. Um, I have a podcast called Hotbox the Cinema. Um, oh my God. I, I love that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. I, I knew that we would, which is why I brought it up. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, I had the name for years before I had any of the will to actually put a podcast together and put that work in. Um, and I do it with my very good friend, Seth. And basically like the kind of elevator pitch is that it's not I mean like I'm smoking weed while I'm talking you know doing bong rips making weed jokes and stuff but I think more than just like you know I don't obviously I don't want it to be like alienating to people who like don't smoke (laughs) weed love I love weed but if you don't love weed that's fine but um I think just like taking the approach of like expanding your mind expanding your perspective and sort of just like applying that to media so kind of like i mean you know people do drugs to look at things in a deliberately different perspective a lot of the time or to just get out of your normal head your normal self and so i felt like you know i kind of just wanted to apply that sort of like approach to a a media podcast um just sort of open-ended fluid you know love it that's the the spiel, the plug for Hotbox the Cinema. I'm already a, I'm already a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew specifically that Laura, you would be. <laughs> yeah, I saw you. You take the the covert vape pin rip. You know, need to, to need to do to it. it I, need, I feel like it's like whenever Girl Blunt comes on a playlist, <laughs> you must if anyone like mentions a weed-centered thing like it's like i can't sit here and be like yes let's talk about the substance that we all love yeah. and not and not have take. it's it's the like i saw somebody tweet recently like oh you know like anytime anybody is like eating like this thing in a movie like i have to have it like i just get such cravings. i'm like yeah i'm the same way with like weed and cigarettes. <laughs> exactly like, if somebody's exactly, yeah. sparking a lighter on screen then i'm like where is mine <laughs> yeah that makes a ton exactly of sense. There we go. Um, (laughs) Perfect. Cheers. Yeah. I smoked literally right before this. So we're in good company. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you can feel free to go into as much or as little detail as you want. But did you want to talk a little about like your own transition? You like brought it up a little bit and kind of like how that relates to your interest in horror. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I don't know. I was thinking about that a little bit before you know just in the lead up to this podcast and uh something that I hadn't really thought about a lot in the past but at least like connecting sort of horror to like gender and transness and just finding myself and all that good stuff is like 
Horror was one of a number of things growing up as a kid that was just like, both in terms of my parents' sort of strictness and their beliefs and stuff uh, was sort of off limits, but also I was just like really terrified Same. like super easily, you know? And like, I just have vivid memories of like, not even watching movies, but like seeing trailers for movies and just being like horrified or like going to the video store and like seeing like, I don't know, like seeing the like movies on, you know, on VHS, like, ghost ship or like whatever yeah. forgotten like bullshit from 2000 that like whatever horror movie nobody remembers and just being like petrified like just by the slightest I don't know sort of suggestion that like there's something bad there's something dark evil in the world whatever um but I don't know I think a lot of times for me especially like I uh it's another useful context about me for my whole kind of origin story is that I grew up Mormon. So I just, in addition to like being in the closet, it was just in a very conservative religious environment. Mm -hmm. And so many of the things that I was like afraid of as a kid are things that I've gotten really into um, as I was older. I mean, it kind of exists on these like sort of extremes of like things that are generally considered very feminine and things that are generally considered very masculine were like, you know, I, I was raised to be like very much a boy and a very kind of upward, you know, God fearing suit and tie kind of boy. And so feeling, you know, I felt this kind of like repulsion by like, I don't know, the I, things that are, were coded feminine and like, you know, just like I felt uh, fascinated and kind of drawn toward like, you know, the girls I knew at school or like just different styles of presentation or dress or whatever that were sort of off limits to me and I feel like you know a lot of times when you feel a desire that is not acceptable in your world and in the reality you're living in you sort of reinterpret that as like disgust or revulsion or you try to like turn yourself off to the idea of it so I feel like in a lot of ways I was kind of doing that with gender stuff and a lot of the sort of like desire to like be feminine or to like just you know be something different than I was expected to be as a sort of masculine socialized person. And then on the other hand, I felt like, oh, horror movies were bad and, and rap music was bad. And like, and, and another thing that I'm, I, I really love is wrestling. And that was another thing. It's like all of these things that are very like aggressive and sort of have a lot of like cultural baggage, I think, you know, like where they're like, problematic in some way or it's just like that was like I guess the opposite of sort of of what I felt like I was supposed to do in life like on the one hand kind of gender and gender dysphoria and then on the other hand like horror movies and and really just I don't know just kind of so many of the interests I've had over my life I kind of feel like I was trying to like unconsciously rebel without like actively disobeying my parents or something. So I would get into movies or music or whatever that they had disapproved of because it was an easier way to sort of push the envelope. So anyways, I think that's all just to say like, I don't know, I think it's been a sort of weirdly similar relationship to where it's like, I felt this, I felt, you know, a horror movies latch into my brain. Like I remember seeing like pictures from the Blair Witch Project as a kid and just kind of hearing about the premise of the movie. 
And like, I didn't see that movie until I was in college, but I was, I like couldn't sleep for nights just off of the idea of the movie. And there, and so there is a part of me where it's like, yeah, I was scared, but I also like wanted to confront that thing, you know, and like obviously did kind of want to see that thing because I couldn't get out of my head. And similarly, it's like at that same time when I was really terrified by everything in middle school, I was also like feeling this, like, I was like, wait, like, like I feel this, like, all of these questions about my gender. I don't like who I am. I feel this, why do I, why am I going on Google and like looking up like how to be a girl? Like, you know, it's this is like, I guess these sort of similar experiences almost of like disembodiment where I was drawn to something and I sort of told myself that it wasn't me. Um, so I, and I think that just like, the, the last little point on that, I think it's just like queerness and horror movies go hand in hand so well because they're both just like so disrespected and marginalized by society at large and considered sort of unseemly or you know it's 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 what it's kind of everything that like good heteronormative upright you know american society like doesn't want you to think about or doesn't want you to confront um and so I think especially when you're like demonized so often as a queer person, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the like literal demons. You know, it's like if you think that I'm evil, then maybe I should look to those images of evil. Maybe everybody else you've told me is evil actually isn't, you know, if this is who I am. Um, so I think even beyond just like, you know, the sort of trips of like the final girl or like, you know, revenge or survivor dumb or things like that, even just like you know, looking at like monsters or villains or, you know, anything that's like evil or, or whatever word you want to use or, or, or wrong. It's just like, it's, you know, you look at things differently once you've realized that like, that is you basically. That's wild about the, the fear of scary things is I had the exact same experience of like, mm -hmm. I couldn't, like if I saw a cover of something scary, I would be like haunted for a week at least. I mean, I, I grew up Catholic, so it's, yeah. it's very like, mm, cool, glad that we literally were cursed by our family, pretty much. Yeah, it's like literally like, I sometimes I feel like the like taste of that thing or like the suggestion of whatever a horror movie is, is like so much worse than the actual thing. Totally. Um, and I guess, I mean, I guess that's just like advertising, you know, it's like supposed to be evocative and stick in your brain. But um, I don't know, that's always a dimension of horror that I've always been interested in. And I think I like, and I got more into horror movies, like a little bit later on, like in college, I think I was just like, you know, by that point I was like, oh, like I'm a movie person. I like movies. I'm in school to study movies i write about them but i haven't seen a lot of horror movies so maybe i should like try to finally get over that and i think part of what i was getting over was not just like fear and and being a scaredy cat but also like oh these are movies that are often about having a body often about having a gender and kind of you can't often as a viewer like get away from that and so it's like if you're not ready to deal with that baggage it can be hard but it can also be a way of like dealing with that baggage and not consciously dealing with it and sort of um just i don't know seeing the body in a different way can make you think about yours differently i think yeah well that is perfect transition into what i was gonna ask you next um because you recently wrote for them about how body horror 
helps with like your process of gender dysphoria. Um, and we'll link to that article in this description for anyone who is interested in reading that. But um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you to kind of explain a little more about like that. And I guess for, maybe for people who like aren't very into horror, like kind of like what body horror entails. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a really interesting question. Just like, what is body horror? Because I mean, pretty much every horror, I don't think there's a horror movie that doesn't involve like the human body in some way, because I mean, generally people die uh, and, you know, there has to be some kind of uh, violation or, or desecration of the body that ha that has to happen um, in order for people to be killed off in a horror movie. Uh, but it's, it's, it's definitely like, I don't know, I feel like it's one of those things where, I mean, it's kind of like that, um, what is it, like the Supreme Court definition of porn, where it's like, if you you know it when you see it. And I feel like that's one of those <laughs> similar kind of things where it's like, um, you know, a horror movie crosses a line to where it's like the body is like, not just something that's sort of being like operated upon or kind of you know, in danger or under threat, but it's like, that is really like what the danger is or where it's coming from, whether that's like you as a person or being like, I don't know, maybe like, you know, I mean, I feel like the example that everybody kind of thinks of when you think of body horror is like David Cronenberg and you know, like Videodrome and The Fly and those sort of movies of just very much like, there's a force that's like transforming you that like you can't really control, which anybody who has struggled with any level of dysphoria, I think, you know, that the, the, the metaphor there is pretty apt, um, you know, as opposed to you know, so many horror movies, I feel like are defined by like a sense of place, you know, like, a, you know, haunted house movies or like, I think in an earlier era, you look at like old Hollywood horror movies and there's a lot about like, you know, exotic islands or like people who go to, you know, I mean, Dracula, you know, like going to Transylvania, going to this like, foreign distant place and um and i think that like as just like our society and sort of culture has changed over the last like century or whatever i feel like a lot of the focus of horror movies has changed with it where the th you know the things that we have questions about the things that make us uncomfortable are less from outside sometimes and more from inside or it's more about that relationship between the exterior and the interior and not just like you are this, you know, you are identifying with this like pure hero who's like being attacked by a, a, you know, a vampire or whatever. And you have to get out of that situation. It's like all of reality is, is kind of changing and is sort of affected by the supernatural or I don't know, whatever physical changes are happening to the person's body. Um, and so I feel like that's just like, it's, that's maybe, you know, what is so appealing so often to, I think, like queer and trans audiences and artists too about body horror and the idea of movies that are very explicitly about the changing of the body because, you know, like feeling like your body and your identity aren't in your control are so much part of queer experience, so much part of womanhood, so much a part of being, you know, just any kind of marginalized experience. Um, and also feeling like, you know, there's something inside of you that's 
kind of against you, but also maybe there's something on the outside of you, like maybe you're, you know, the outside of you is, is also false and it's like the inside, the core that needs to escape and get out. Um, so I think there's, yeah, like, again, it's like every horror movie can be a little bit of a body horror movie in a way, but I think that like, I'm just so fascinated when movies like really make that the, the sort of the concern um, and it's not so much about like, you know, what's outside of you. Yeah, totally. One thing I was thinking about is like, I feel like a lot of body horror movies and movies that involve horrors of the body kind of have like, there can be like aspects of the narrative that are gender affirming potentially, but then also aspects that involve like violence against a trans or gender non-conforming character um one example i was thinking of um was because them also public where you published this essay um also published this essay a while ago um by the writer sasha geffen that was basically like a trans masculine reading of this movie hereditary um where basically like for anyone who's not seen this movie there's this character charlie who's a character who can like potentially be read as transmasculine um and basically there's like extreme violence against this character's body but then she gets to possess the body of her brother so it's kind of like gender affirming um if you read it as like she's getting to become the gender that she wants to be and live in this body but then also it involves like a very violent death of this character's like initial body in the movie um i guess i'm just kind of curious like what what you make of that duality where there can kind of be this like extreme violence that can maybe be read as gender affirming in certain ways, but also can be like a harmful act against a trans body. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's like such a, a good question because I mean, so obviously so much of horror history and, and horror movies are so problematic. And so as queer people, you really, we really have to, you know, like think critically and, and kind of you have to take things with a grain of salt and try to find like whatever value is in there. Um, and sometimes you have to sort of like dig through unseemly or uncomfortable things to sort of reclaim something or, or look through it in a different yeah. lens. And and it's complicated. Like, I don't know, one of the first examples that really comes to my mind of like a, a horror movie where like transness is really sort of the the object of horror is um, Sleepaway Camp from like 1980, which is like really early, you know, slasher, um, sort of Friday the 13th, like summer camp kind of movie. And the big reveal at the end of the movie is there's this girl who has been at the camp who is the killer. And the literal final moments of the movie are her being disrobed and you see that she has a penis. And and it's like, oh, this trauma is like, why, you know, because she's this, she's this trans, she's horrible, like, she's evil. And there are a lot of trans people who have, you know, I, a lot of trans cinephiles and critics who don't have any time for that movie. But then I know people who have also seen it and been like, well, if you consider it, it you know, if you sort of like, remove the framework of just thinking about this as like a trans feminine person, then there's maybe something of like, because basically in the movie, like, it's like something where like some, like there was like a, in this person's 
childhood, like there was like a botched circumcision. So their parents like raised them as a, as a girl. And so people are like, oh, well, you know, it's about kind of the horror of dysphoria and of having an identity enforced upon you. That's not your own. And like, um, and so I think sometimes the kind of it, it to, in order though to do those kind of readings, like you have to like detach from sort of like the reality of, transness a little bit because there is something where it's still like well yeah it's like it's fucked up to depict a trans person in this way but maybe we can reclaim it or something like that um i know it's it's yeah i don't know it's there's i mean there's so many you know examples where you know a, a queer trans coded character is is the source of horror um and <laughs> One that is, you know, never far from my mind, but has been on my mind recently because I actually wrote about it a little bit is Silence of the Lambs, um, which I mean, it's just like, you know, I feel like trans phobia 101 in terms of like what people think of when they think of like a horrible trans stereotype is Buffalo Bill. And again, it's another one of those movies where like kind of back and forth, I feel like people have done really condemning readings of it or more generous like well, this is like, let's have sympathy for this character and see them as someone who is denied, you know, the ability to transition and kind of lost their mind because of it. Um, but I was specifically writing about it because there's this new Sufjan Stevens album where it's like every song, it's like inspired by him and his like co-songwriter, like watching a bunch of movies and every song is sort of loosely inspired by a different movie. And they're sort of, it's just a very grab bag kind of selection, but a number of them are about horror movies and are sort of like trying to like take the sympathetic perspective of the antagonist or of the monster. And like, like there's a song about like Hellraiser and um, there's a song about like Night of the Living Dead, sort of from the perspective of the zombies. But there is a song that is about Silence of the Lambs from the perspective of Buffalo Bill. Uh, which also, which just like set off some red flags for me because it uses the word autogynephilia. Uh, oh, which, no. <laughs> yeah, which I, you know, I, I'm sure many listeners of the podcast are familiar with that concept, but I mean, just horrible pseudoscientific bullshit that so many gender critical and turf bigots kind of use as this like psychological sort of, you know, weapon against against trans people and trans women so often you know to say that like oh this is your transness is just a fetish and a perversion and like not a legitimate identity um and so the sort of and it's like writ co-written by Sufjan and this other songwriter and the other songwriter in an interview was like oh well basically sort of we were trying to sort of write this song where this character who has been made out to be a monster is basically like pleading with their creator to like treat them like a human being and to respect them and to actually love them instead of making them out to be evil which i totally you know i can see that reading um but it's it's complicated because it's just like i don't know doing that kind of like reclaiming reinterpreting because it's like it still has this horrible history of transphobia and it's very upsetting you know that that character and everything that Buffalo Bill entails is like brings up a lot of bad feelings for people. I, knew, I mean, I know for me personally, like when I came out as trans on Twitter, like one of the only outwardly hateful comments I got was some like absolute rando, like quote tweeting, like my first selfie with a picture of Buffalo Bill. Um, 
the and fuck? So, yeah, like, you know. We will so it's, come for you. Whoever the fuck. They're yeah. Not, they're not listening to this podcast, that's for sure. Yeah. But fuck that. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's 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 complicated because there is so much sort of baggage in the history of horror and queer depictions and horror. Um, but at the same time, it's also like, you know, I also, you know, I don't even, I'm not, you know, I don't want to say that Sufjan is trans or anything, but you never know what people are working through or my, why they might relate to certain things or why they may be drawn to certain imagery or metaphors or ways of understanding themselves. Um, and I think that is just, at, even though it was like a, a specific instance and a sort of reflection on this character that I felt a little bit weird about. Um, it's also like, I think there is sort of, power and and, an almost kind of middle finger and sort of like taking back what has been made out to be so evil or disgusting or whatever and to sort of just like identify with that um at the same time though there's also always this i think potential of like which is something i saw a lot of people who were like giving me sort of you know saying negative things about my sufyan review is people are like well you know as far as like Buffalo Bill goes, it's like that, you know, who's to say like, you know, it's a character, like maybe they weren't actually trans or maybe like, or autogynophilia, you know, it's like maybe people do actually like feel that way or identify with that. And that's just kind of like, I feel like there is sometimes we have to like, I don't know, not do those kind of reclamations and actually sort of move on from things because there's always that kind of like, defense a little bit of like well oh this thing is problematic well maybe some queer person somewhere relates to it so it's okay yeah i mean i feel like we've talked about this uh, in previous spooky season episodes before but i feel like one thing that's interesting about it is just like it's so recent that there's been any form of like positive trans representation and like for a long time these were kind of the only and to some extent like you know like you said, Buffalo Bill is like such an iconic sort of image, even though that character represents so much transphobia, but also is like one of the only depictions of transness that many people might have seen at that time. Um, so yeah, I feel like you're totally right. It's like complicated that I I totally understand why people want to like reclaim that sometimes and mm -hmm. make something of it because it was the only thing we had for such a long time. Um, and now it's kind of like just interesting to think about how how we can incorporate that, but also recognize like the problematic aspects of it. Yeah. And I think especially too, it's like now that a lot of people and cis people too are thinking, you know, sort of more critically about the depiction of gender and transness. I think sometimes there is a little bit of a weird line sometimes, especially with body horror movies where like, it's like the door has been open to sort of like play around with gender a little bit more identity a little bit more in a productive way. But sometimes I wonder, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like in the case of like that Sufjan song, I, I was like, well, I don't want to say how you feel about your own gender Sufjan, but for me, this is a little bit more like lived immediate reality and not so much this kind of like artistic thought experiment. And I think something with like, you know, like hereditary or like, um, I still haven't seen it and I'm very interested to see it, but there's this new movie, uh, Titane. Everybody's like buzzing about 
French body horror movie about a woman who like fucks a truck and has like a baby. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about. It's the same director who did this movie Raw that yeah, I'm yeah, absolutely yeah. obsessed with. Yeah, yeah, I've been wanting to see. I've been really wanting to see it, but I have been kind of like waiting for the like trans analyses to drop because I'm like part of me is like really nervous. You know, it's like again, I don't know what that filmmaker how she relates to her own gender at all. But when someone hasn't sort of been like vocal about that stuff I'm always like oh sometimes it feels a little bit like playing with fire because it's like again these things you know like being a gender non-conforming person you know being sort of received by people in an ambiguous way or they don't know what to do with you it's like you know that can be very interesting material for horror movies but it's also the reality for so many of us that it's like I, I think you sometimes it's like there's I don't know Lots of, just lots of complication, lots of things to weigh. Yeah, I was laughing because you started your last statement being like people and cis people too. Um, and we love, we love supporting. Deeply relatable. I know, I was just like, yeah. perfect. Um, but actually uh, to talk about cis people and cis men and murdering them is um, where I would like to go next. So, which is like, has been a major point of bonding for Nadine and I is watching men get murdered. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think like something that's very fun to see in the kind of like femme fatale type horror movies is like women and queer people being like allowed to be violent, which is like pretty rare in media, especially in instances where we're intended to be rooting for them. And it's not just like being seen as like, oh my God, this is like, she's like crazy. She's hysterical, like whatever, like where it's actually like, she's the hero. And we're like, yes, these men needed to be killed. Um, And even like the other day I watched the remake of I Spit on Your Grave. The last 30 minutes, incredible. The first like, okay, so it's a rape revenge film. And for rape revenge, here's my personal opinion. 1% hints at that a rape happened 99% revenge this movie was like just way too long on the like like sexual violence and then like the revenge was like the last half hour I literally fast forwarded through most of it until the end and then I was very happy but so anyway (laughs) um yeah I just wanted to kind of talk more about like the importance of that sort of representation of like women being allowed to be violent and in a way where their actions are seen as like justified and not like that they're being um, like pathologized for it. Yeah. I mean, it's super interesting, I think, to kind of think about the figure of the femme fatale because I feel like for so long that's, I don't know, it's, it's like the femme fatale has been considered like such a sort of like I don't know. It doesn't feel like so much of a like quite negative sort of archetype in the way that it did in an earlier time. Like, I feel like it's just like such a like cool kind of like, you know, the the Hitchcocky and icy blonde or whatever. It's just like an image that people think is so like whether or not, not it's just like aesthetically sort of pleasing or it's kind of empowering to identify with those types of figures. I feel like 
you know, there's definitely been a change in that sort of depiction of like villainous women. Um, just, I don't know, you know, you think about the sort of origins of that kind of archetype and like, like film noir movies and detective movies and stuff. And, and so much of that is like, of, you know, that of that time of the 40s and 50s was a response to like women having this greater autonomy and being outside of the home. And now men are coming back from the war and women have like, learned you know to do the things that men did or have taken their place in some way and now we have this like oh the women are too independent now and we've got to like you know they're conniving they're scheming we've got to put them in in their place um so i feel like it's another one of those things sort of like we've been talking about with like queer and trans representation and sort of villainy and and whatever in horror movies it's another similar thing where it's like a lot of these tropes and archetypes that were like initially sort of like negative or misogynistic in some way have been really sort of reclaimed and, and, and taken back and, and kind of power has been found in them. Um, and I think what it is, is like a lot of it's, I think, you know, you know, rape revenge is such a, a sort of complicated, I think, subgenre, you know, because it's something that can potentially offer this like catharsis of revenge and comeuppance but is so often you know just a sort of vehicle for sexploitation and for lingering on the rape part of it and the, the, the sexual violence and assault part of it or like you know turning it into like a metaphor or something like that or just really just yeah that's why i want like just revenge i just want yeah. movies where women and people are getting revenge like i don't need to see like why they needed revenge i i believe that they needed it we all yeah. need that, that revenge, so there's exactly. no... Exactly. You don't need to know the details. <laughs> right. I mean, just, like, vaguely, it's fine. Just show me the revenge. Yeah, because it's just kind of, like, I think that's what is, like, beyond just sort of, like, temporary emotional catharsis. It's, like, what is really empowering to me about allowing women or, or queer people to be violent uh, on screen is, like, because that is what is wielded against us you know that is like in in literal systematic whatever kind of conditions like our existence is so often violence directed at us and aimed at us and so to just be able to like take that back to kind of use those tools and that language of oppression and reverse it like even more than just you know <clears throat> the individual character sort of like getting their revenge on the one person who harmed them or however many people harmed them it's like there's there's i don't know there's something that is i don't want to say like revolutionary but i think there is something a little bit just like liberatory beyond just like oh it feels good to like to see that happen i wish i could do that it's 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 more like i don't know just sort of like uh fuck you like kind of just like taking the reins of power a little bit absolutely um and I think we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, women in horror in general, because there's some gender and horror tropes that are used somewhat regularly. Um, so I guess what are your thoughts on how women are typically portrayed in horror? And can you talk about how the male gaze shows up in these tropes and or like how these tropes have been reclaimed in some ways? Mm -hmm. There's so many, <laughs> you know, just immediately sort of like tropes that everybody knows you know at this point of like the final girl and kind of like you know the the slut gets killed and the this the, the innocent virgin or the more tomboyish girl is the one who survives and 
and especially at least i don't know i mean it's 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 i think a lot of times we forget the whole like breadth of horror because i feel like you know a lot of those tropes are very specific to like slasher movies or different subgenres um but i feel like it's had such a complicated relationship with women as a genre just because i mean so much of horror has been on the same level as just like exploitation genre film in general where it's like very cheap and very much about those like earthy pleasures and you know sort of titillating the dominant audience that is presumed to be there which is so often just you know straight men or who who films have been catered towards and so i feel like it's only really very recently not that like people have been a lot more overall like considerate of how women are depicted in horror movies but just that like horror has been kind of taken seriously enough for people to be like this is something more than just exploitation i mean obviously there are horror movies you know horror movies for ages you know things like rosemary's baby and and you know George Romero movies and so many things that have all of this very intentional subtext. You know, it's not new at all that horror movies are like about things or have ideas and themes, but I think it is new that like you can make a horror movie without having to like think about appealing to that kind of like lowest common denominator, like usually cis straight male genre crowd where it's like, I feel like all like, anything from the past at a certain degree it's like it's it's very covert it's very subtextual it's kind of smuggling critique whether it's of gender or capitalism or just society at large like into this thing and then it always returns to these moments of of violence and gore and sexual titillation because that's what the v that's you know what the vehicle kind of is that's what is supposed to be bringing people into the movie but i think now um i mean i think there's a lot of different reasons why, but I think just there has been, I don't know, a greater visibility, I think, in like queer and female fandoms of horror where it's like, oh, actually this is an audience that like you can specifically cater to and you can think critically about just the entirety of a horror movie and you don't have to just return to like the base kind of drive-in sort of mode or whatever. I guess also I think something that has changed i feel like is there are obviously like very iconic like final girls you know like laurie from halloween and neve campbell and 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 scream and you know all of these like iconic women in, in horror movies but so often it's the you know it's the slasher it's the villain it's the antagonist that is really like on the poster merchandised remembered sort of becomes the icon and i think something like something has maybe shifted a little bit where it's like i feel like there are a lot more horror films now where it's like genuinely about those women you know it's not just like oh this girl is the main character because she happened to survive Mm -hmm. it's like this is actually about her foregrounding her trauma whatever she's going through and it's not just like a sort of like it's not just about you know about providing another victim for this this killer Um, I think one of the like really great examples of this that people are still people are coming around to it but has been slow to been appreciated as the masterpiece that I think it is but Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 from like 
2009. Wow, gotta check it out. To me, one of the great like horror movies about like before, I mean, now like every horror movie is kind of very explicitly about trauma. You know, it's just like, feels like, you know, like the last Halloween remake, they were like, yeah, this is about trauma. This is about, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis years later, she's trying to survive. And like the Rob Zombie remakes were doing that without really announcing it, but in a way that I find a lot more emotionally meaningful because basically the first, the first one is kind of like, mostly a remake of the original movie sort of straight except for like there's a prologue part where it's sort of like a prequel about Michael Myers childhood and like how he became Michael Myers and then the second one is pretty much all about Lori and about her sort of dealing with the trauma with the PTSD with just how even you know though Michael Myers literally comes back to haunt her and stalk her even when he's not there, he has taken over her life. And, you know, that's just like, obviously such a potent, I think, metaphor for being a survivor. Yeah. yeah, being a victim where it's just like, you know, the person who harmed you, the person who abused you, and or whatever they represent can take over your whole life. Um, and it goes to this very, like, trippy kind of dreamy, like, I don't know, it's to me, it's like Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, almost like, um, but I just think you have sort of like in the initial premise of horror movies, you have that capacity to like, because they're all about trauma, you know, they're all about t- terrible things happening to people, you know, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something, the original one, you know, that movie ends like as the main girl is like getting away from Leatherface. She's like on the back of the truck, face is bloody. You know, you can tell she's like, the rest of her life is probably going to be pretty fucked up. You can just kind of see that in her face, but the movie's over and you, it's just left to you to sort of, infer what happens and i think that's been a real shift of like what happens after the the quote-unquote horror is now like so much more of a focus um than in the past yeah um that kind of like leads into well of what i wanted to ask next which is more about like the theme of monsters um Mm -hmm. so of course in horror the theme of monsters comes up regularly and you know for many of us as queer people monsters (laughs) are usually white cis hat men uh, but in movies and in society, that's not always how monsters are depicted. Um, so I guess, can you go into uh, how the categorization of monsters has kind of happened um, or like what categorizes a monster? I think this is actually one of the things that I really like about Rob Zombie's horror movies, not to keep talking about Rob Zombie of all people, but um, because he's like a huge fan of like the original, like universal monsters, Frankenstein and the invisible man and the mummy and stuff. And um, so I feel like he's really thinking about like the idea of like a monster and what that represents and sort of what that entails where I feel like, I don't know. It's just like, there, I feel like there's a lot less people aren't like in sort of thinking about the like figure of like the antagonist. I feel like sometimes in a, the same way. Um, but I think, I guess where my mind kind of goes to is like one to me, one of the really great critics writers on horror film, um, is uh, Robin Wood who wrote this essay called American Nightmare like in the 70s or 80s um, which is really like I think I mean it's one of those I know I feel like a lot of like genre theory and film theory like you kind of read it and it's sort of like yeah okay this is yeah I know that's how movies work but um, I don't know just sort of like think back 
before maybe certain things were so theorized or taken for granted. Um, it's sort of interesting to see them being worked through. So his sort of like fundamental idea that I feel like he really sort of introduced in like horror theory and genre theory is that horror movies are really about like the return of the repressed and like a very kind of Freudian way where, you know, whatever society has buried is what the, is what the horror is. And so that sort of just changes um, based on era. You know, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, older Hollywood movies where it's like about, you know, Transylvania or some exotic Island or, you know, these very like explicit monsters. And then I think you go into like, I don't know, the sixties or the seventies and you see a lot of horror movies that are about like families, you know, something like the Omen or just like spooky kid movies where it's about like, what the fuck is going on in the American nuclear family? You know, like there is horror, like literally within the home. It's not outside of the home anymore. And now I feel like that we're in an era of like identity politics. That's like so much more the sort of where the horror comes from is identity, like in some way of like, whether you feel uncomfortable with the identity that you are performing or whether, I don't know, you know, it's just, I feel like that's a, sort of another evolution. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, it's like, I can't really, I mean, I don't know, I guess there's stuff like the Babadook, but I just feel like I think of a lot of horror movies from the last decade and I feel like there's not like a thing, you know, sometimes like, I mean, there kind of is, but it's not really what you take away from the movie. It's more of this almost kind of like existential monster a little bit, you know, I think something like, you know, we were talking about Hereditary earlier and I feel like that's not a movie where people come away with like a clear, like, what is the threat? You know, what is the bad thing? It's like much more kind of baked into like all of reality. And it's like reality, reality is the monster, I guess, maybe, I think is maybe what's changed. Reality is a monster. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Um, well, we're, we're coming close to the end of our time, sadly, but I just wanted to make some space for you and or other hosts to share just like body horror movies that we've really loved recently, um, or older ones. Um, okay, so one that I wanted to mention that I don't know if this technically falls into the definition of body horror, but I guess I would say there's aspects that I think fit your definition of like, I know it when I see it type of thing. Um, but it is an explicitly trans horror movie or there's there's a trans character um, and it's called Bit. So it's basically about this girl who like she's just graduated high school and then she like very immediately like first 10 minutes of the movie is turned into a vampire in this very kind of like violent, um, like traumatic way to her body. Um, and it's really interesting because she, the main character is trans, but it's not really like, it's not like a big part of the plot, you know, it's like mentioned, but it's not, the movie isn't really about her transness. Um, and it's definitely one of the first horror movies I've seen that did not make a character's transness sort of the source of the body horror. And so that mm -hmm. was kind of interesting for me to see. Um, and then the other one that came to mind is um, one we kind of mentioned earlier, but this movie Raw, which is a French, I would say definitely body horror movie about um, this girl who's a vegetarian and she's forced to eat meat as part of this like college hazing ritual. And then 
her body starts to transform in interesting ways. Um, and it's a really good movie. I kind of read it as trans in certain ways because the main character is like ostensibly like said to be a cis woman. Um, but a big part of the movie is that she develops this really intense sexual relationship with a queer man. Um, like he says that he's gay. Um, so that to me like contained this aspect of just like her sort of having this like conflation of the desire to be intimate with someone and to be them mm -hmm. um to kind of like inhabit the space that their body inhabits and that's kind of something that ends up happening in the course of the movie without spoiling too much um yeah so those are two that like more recent ones that come to mind for me gosh i feel like uh there's, I don't know, there's so many ways to go with this, but um, a really interesting, like, recent uh, one, which I, you know, I mentioned David Cronenberg earlier, and his son Brandon is also a filmmaker, and um, I had not really been, I don't know, he's only made a few movies, and I kind of just was like, and I feel like a, a lot of people who had... I don't know, just, just, they just sort of seem like, oh, you're just kind of like ripping off your dad. Like this just seems like nepotism probably. Uh, but his last movie was really, really interesting. And I think sort of like had a lot of those shared similarities of just like body ickiness and sort of weird, like what's going on with identity here sort of stuff. That's very Cronenbergian, but in a little bit of a different package. Um, but this movie Possessor, which is more of like it, so it's it's interesting to me because I think like something I like too about body horror is when it like disguises itself as other genres since it is something that's so fluid and malleable and just because like that to me feels like trans in a way almost you know something that sort of presents itself as one genre but sort of reveals itself to be something else like I mean I love you know alien and things that sort of exist at the intersection of horror and sci-fi too for that reason um but it sort of presents itself as this kind of like corporate espionage thriller um, where you have this character who is like literally like possessing people to assassinate them basically like sort of like goes into their brain and sort of makes them commit suicide. Um, and so the character is, you know, constantly inhabiting literally different people's skins and different identities and, and trying to you know, imitate these people. And so it's just like, you know, when that's your job, who are you at the end of the day, when you take all this, the skin suits off and, and, you know, also like what attracts someone to that kind of work to begin with, you know, where you're literally inhabiting different people's bodies. I mean, there's a lot of sort of very interesting questions there. And I, and I don't know, I sort of, I think I expected sort of one kind of movie and it's and it's definitely I think different and more complicated and more interesting than I than I thought because again I kind of was like oh this is probably just going to be like Videodrome two or something but I think it really sets itself apart and also there's like a lot of vaping in it which I just find it really funny when people vape in oh, movies yeah. you know so <laughs> um, the one thing that ties it closely to our presence here on in reality yeah. <laughs> most people are vaping yeah. not, uh, not, uh, still not enough vaping representation in movies you know? we've got a yeah. long way to go true true yeah a couple of movies that i thought of was um 
Ginger Snaps, which, okay, oh, it's a werewolf snaps. movie, but also I feel like is body horror and is just like very interesting. I'm very drawn to like um, the kind of like puberty, like period horror, like Carrie yeah. um, things where it's just like specifically like, you know, girls and women being like, what the fuck's happening to my body? And there's usually, you know, a lot of like kind of puritanical themes in that, that they're like working through, like in Carrie, the mom's like, very Christian. Cause then the mm-hmm. other body horror I was thinking of was teeth, which also oh, has wow. such like puritanical vibes. And it's just like very like sexual and very like, she's trying to like come into her own sexuality, but she like, can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think those are ones that like, I've, I'm like very interested in. I, you did actually just remind me just mentioning Carrie. I was thinking beforehand, I wanted to mention um, a recommendation, recommend a movie which i feel like a lot of people don't even know exists i feel like it's been kind of forgotten but uh the carrie sequel from the 90s the rage carrie 2 um which is directed by uh which first of all i mean very interesting thing about is that it's directed by a woman and the original i as much as i love the original carrie it's directed by brian de palma who is as far as i know very much not a woman although there are a (laughs) lot of weird i mean you have he's done movies like dress to kill and stuff where there's like explicitly like that's like a riff on psycho and so is a horror movie basically about a trans killer but just in a lot of his movies there's like weird i don't know i think any movie about voyeurism at a certain point can be read as like a trans movie because there's such a fine line between that like you know are you how do you want to like possess this person? Do you want to be this person? You know, you're looking at them so intently. It's kind of dissociating from yourself, like what's going on there. Anyway, that's beside the point. But the rage carry too is like I really like it because it's it's also a lot like Ginger Snaps, I feel like, where it's very much just like that 90s, early 2000s kind of teen movie vibe. And so just the fact that it is this very much like a horror movie about the onset of puberty. Um, but even more just like in that kind of teen movie vernacular, um, like I think it's really well made, but I just, I don't know. It's just really cool because I feel like that stuff just like obviously exists kind of in the background and in the subtext of every teen show and every teen movie. Um, since every, when you're a teen, your body is changing. And, but I, I don't know. It's just cool to see that like foregrounded in something that is still in this very like pop, like. Uh, super 90s kind of package um, and it's also directed by the the woman who directed it Kat Shea she also did Poison Ivy with Drew Barrymore um, so I feel like she's very interesting too just because like that's a one of the few erotic thrillers of the like 80s 90s erotic thriller wave that is like by a woman and um, and that's another kind of example of like very femme fatale you know like rap you know, wrapped up in that sort of baggage of are these women empowering? Are they sort of misogynistic tropes? You know, so another recommendation. Hell yeah. Not the 2013 Carrie, Carrie 2. I don't have time for Chloe Grace Moretz. Too much of a theater kid, IMO. Is there such a thing? Just kidding. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Our resident theater kid. <laughs> Roasted. Not to insult. <laughs> okay i podcast for a living so i'm pretty i'm pretty low-key on the on the theater kid so i actually struggle with body horror like 
I, I like struggle to watch it. I don't know if it's like that Catholicism thing or if it's like whatever it is. But I did watch Malignant recently. I don't know if anyone else had been watching. wanting to see that. Honestly, can't recommend it. That's what okay. I was gonna say because okay, I haven't it's seen just it. Like, I am actually curious now to know y'all's opinion. But yeah, it's on HBO Max currently, or maybe it's done. I know it was. It was. I think it's on there for like another week or so. So. Uh, if you have that or you know someone who has that, I would, I mean, check it out because like new content is hard to come by, but I'm very curious about what y'all think about that in terms of body horror because I did see somebody too, like somebody be like, okay, so like, would is somebody going to do a trans reading of this movie? Just because like, I don't know very much about it, but I feel like any movie with twins or doubling or yes. like any yep. of that kind of stuff, it's like, oh yeah, there's, there's some stuff there that there's some subtext there you can. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely hated it. I think it had no real plot um, and <laughs> that it was like a a really it was like a movie that was trying to be so unique that like it was just impossible to really get into or follow um, that that's one um, person's opinion. But there definitely is body horror and there's definitely like in there definitely could be a, a trans reading of it. So I feel that and I know that and I also was like, but I don't even want to talk about it because it's so, it was so like, I watched it and I was like, what the fuck did I just watch was kind of the feeling yeah. afterwards. Yeah, that's real. Like, I feel like that's just, you know, I mean, even as somebody who likes a lot of horror movies, there's some things that like, I just really like, I don't know, things with like excessive screaming and shrieking of a certain kind. That's just like, you know, like razor blades for me or like, you know, it's just, uh, I just can't do it. Or just like in certain kinds of stabbing and cutting totally. is too much for me, you know? So it's, but, but, uh, bodies are weird. You bodies know? are They're, weird. They are. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a treat and we love talking spooky season in spooky season. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I loved being on, loved being part of the coven. Oh, oh! Not a bet, no better way to celebrate Halloween. Hell October, yeah. Spooktober, whatever. And you your birthday. And my birthday also, Libra season. Hell yeah. You love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was our episode. Um, perfect thing to get you in the mood for spooky season. Plenty of wrecks throughout this episode. Pretty much. And non-Rex. Yeah. Anti-Rex. Anti-Rex. <laughs> I am so new to horror uh, that I feel like I knew maybe 10% of the movies mentioned in this episode. So I am excited uh, to have a, a list of stuff to look into. Um, we are having a movie night, uh, a queer, trans, spooky horror night uh with the carmilla movie coming up uh with folks on our discord and the re way you can join our discord is through patreon.com slash season of the bitch uh we're also starting a new book soon um november 7th is when we'll be talking about it and we are reading girls hate god 
Girls against God. Girls against God. Girls also do hate God. <laughs> Girls against God. It's a novel. It's uh, supposed to be spooky and gay. Um, so that's kind of the order of the season. And you can join our community on Discord to talk about it and to talk with us about it too. Um, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Season of the Bee, as long as there's not another uh, mishap at the conglomerate of Facebook. Um, LOL. <laughs> uh, and you can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Five stars only. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Bye.